Thanks for checking out the Anchor Faith Message Podcast from St. Augustine, Florida. Now enjoy this message. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 26. I want to talk to you about a king's sword today. Amen. Matthew chapter 26, verse 47. Matthew chapter 26, verse 47, it says this. It says, and while he was still speaking, behold, Judas, one of the 12, came up accompanied by a large crowd with swords and clubs who came from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now he who was betraying him gave them a sign saying, whomever I kiss, he is the one seizing. Immediately Judas went up to Jesus saying, hell rabbi, and kissed him. One translation says, kissed him fervently. And Jesus uh, said to him, friend, do what you have come to do. Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. Behold, one of those who were with Jesus reached and drew out his sword and struck the slave of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said, put your sword back into its place. For all those who take up the sword shall perish by the sword. Or do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? How then will the scripture be fulfilled, which says that it must happen this way? At that time, Jesus said to the crowds, have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as you would against a robber? Every day I used to sit in the temple teaching and you did not seize me. But, but all this has taken place to fulfill the scriptures of the prophets. Then all the disciples left him and fled. Now, the question you may ask is why in the world do they have swords in the first place? Well, in the Luke gospel account prior to this meeting, they actually come up to Jesus and um, Jesus is talking to them and he actually tells them to defend themselves. And it's actually found in Luke chapter 22, verse 38. They said, Lord, look, here we have two swords. And he says, that is enough. Now, the Lord never intended for them to have swords to defend him. But he knew what was coming. And he knew that the scripture says they will strike, because he told them at the time that they took the Lord's Supper, the Passover meal. He said, the scripture has said they will strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. He knew he would be betrayed, and he knew a crowd was coming. Are you hearing me? And so he wanted his disciples in the event they tried to grab them in the process. Because it wasn't about them. That they themselves could defend themselves. But Peter had a lapse in in the garden. I said, Peter had a lapse. It's not like Peter's not been here before. This state of mind, this type of opinion of how he wants to do something. In fact, if we go over to Matthew chapter 16, verse 21, just so you understand Peter's thinking here, the disciple that pulls out the sword, he says this, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. And suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. 
and be raised up on the third day. Sure wish Peter would have listened to that one. But Peter took him aside and began to what? He rebuked him, saying, God forbid it, Lord. This shall never happen to you. So what's Peter's stance? I'm not going to let it happen. 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 And so when Jesus is saying they're going to strike the shepherd and the sheep are going to be scattered, he says, Peter's like, no, I'm not going to deny you. I'm not going to scatter. I'm going to be right there. Remember, Jesus says, Peter, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times, son. He said, ain't going to happen. Ain't going to happen. No, everybody else in this room might get offended. Everybody else in this room might desert you, but not me. Not me, Jesus. I'm ready for this deal. I got my sword. I'm ready to defend you. I'm ready to fight these people off. You're not going to die. But what did Jesus think about that thinking? He says, but he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me for, come on, are you hearing this? For you set your mind, uh, you're not setting your mind on God's interest, but man. Jesus says in this Matthew account, if you live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. Now, there's a natural side to this when we look at the old covenant. It says that if a man takes it into his own hands to kill somebody, then guess what? They're going to come after him. That blood is going to keep talking until it's avenged. Are you hearing me? So when a person lives by the sword or a violent person, violence is going to take them. But the sword is not just a natural sword, and we're going to see this today. Because a lot of us um, are pulling out our swords and we're trying to hinder God's plan for our lives. We're trying to fulfill the plan of God in our power. Jesus will clearly communicate to us by his spirit how we are to handle adversity, conflict, situations. Yet many of us, when we get, when that conflict shows up, in fact, he'll even a lot of times forewarn us. In fact, he has done this naturally because he's literally said, in this life you'll have trials and tribulations. Correct? In this life. So we all know a crowd of something's coming. Something with swords and clubs. Something to try to arrest us defeat us, conquer us, overcome us, is coming our way. Don't know when it's going to happen potentially, but we know it's coming. And when it does come, most of the time, God will have already trained you through the preaching of the word of how to handle that situation, but we'll want to pull out our sword and cut some things off. In essence, if you live by the flesh, you'll die by the flesh you'll reap of the flesh corruption. Because God's ways, a lot of times when we get in conflict, we, we don't sometimes realize how the attack's coming. So when it comes, it's a surprise. What I mean by that is we didn't imagine that would take place. And sometimes that can throw us for a loop. It can put us in a position where we want to go to defense mode, where we want to defend ourselves. Okay, all right, hallelujah. Well, we want to justify our positions instead of literally saying, okay, Lord, what do I do in this situation? What have you already told me? I said, what have you already told me? 
because I don't want to pull out my sword. I don't want to work it in my strength. I don't want to do it on my merits. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I want to do it according to how you said to do it. Because we know the scripture says that God will defend us. He will vindicate us and that his plan shall come to pass. If we don't watch out, we'll pull out our sword and try to hinder God's actual plan for our lives. Now, how do you know whether you're wielding your sword or the king's? Well, let's look at Hebrews chapter 4. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, look at this. You all know it, but it says, For the word of God is living and active. I can't wait till this thing gets out on YouTube. They're like, this guy's preaching with a sword. <laughs> I remember doing a message down at East Coast Camp. And I talked about God's word as a sword. And, um, and so I pulled that thing out. There was a bunch of teenagers, and I was moving that. It was a big sword. I didn't use my little dagger-type sword. You understand? Because, again, when we read this passage, these guys didn't have these long, huge swords, man, that they were carrying around. You understand? It's more applicable that they probably would have had something a little bit smaller. Are you hearing me? Uh, that they would have tried to defend themselves with in that moment when they fa were found there. You know, but we always want the big, you know, Excalibur, right? We want Goliath's sword, right? But Jesus and the apostles did not have Goliath's sword on them, okay? Um, but with that being said, I was moving it around, and um, somebody had sent it to somebody, and they're like, are the kids safe? <laughs> Hallelujah. Isn't it amazing how people think? Okay. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged. What is it? So this thing is sharper than a sword. And piercing, but it has the same effect. And piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, both of joints and marrow, and able to what? Judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Did King Jesus have a sword? I would submit to you when he was in the garden, he had a sword. In fact, he even used that sword before Peter used his sword. Because if we read the gospel account of when, and I don't remember which one it was specifically, but the Holy Ghost just reminded me, he said, remember, one of the gospels said that when they asked who was Jesus, he said, I am. And when he said, I am, the ones that were in the front were blown to the ground by the words that came out of it. They were struck down. Now, not killed, but knocked down because of the power and the anointing that was on Jesus' life for him to fulfill this very moment. This moment that he went to the Father and was in prayer all the time in the garden saying, Lord, if there's any other way for this thing to pass, let it pass, but not my will, your will be done. And the Lord anointed him for that task. It was his defining moment. It was his opportunity so that we could all come into the kingdom and become kings of the king. And when he spoke, they fell. And then Peter. Think about that. They hit the ground, and then Peter's going to pull out when someone touches Jesus. I mean, are we not in the same garden right now? 
Jesus talks people fall and then somebody going to touch him and you're going to try to cut an ear off. Now, I happen to think that Peter probably was pretty good with a blade. Some people say, you know, this is how bad he was. He only hit his ear. Honestly, he was a fisherman. I bet he could fillet some fish. So I bet that he probably was a little more skillful than we want to say. Now, he didn't want to kill nobody, but he sure did want to defend and say, you better get your hands off because it get worse than this. But Jesus is like, you're not here to do this. This action is trying to hinder the plan of God. And anytime we take up our own cause, in the midst of the battle, thinking we're defending Jesus, but in essence, we're only defending our own lives, then we're actually thwarting or trying to hinder the plan of God for our lives specifically. Look what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. I would submit to you, he has a sword. It says, do you think, this is Jesus now. If you have a red letter Bible, you have this. Jesus said this. He said, do you think that I came to bring peace on the earth? This is in your Bible. I'm sure this is kind of shocking to some, right? Because again, we're fixing to celebrate, you know, Christmas here pretty soon. And we know the angels sing, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Well, it is peace on earth for those who are in the kingdom. I mean, you have peace because you have um, peace in your heart. You've been given the spirit of truth and the fruits of the spirit. Peace can re uh, resonate in your life. When you are doing God's word and his will, you're going to walk in perfect peace even in the midst of a storm. But Jesus said, don't think I came to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace. But, but, but. But a sword. This is important because this is why it's so important for us to rightly divide the word of truth. Because we can get off and just stay on certain aspects that God did only and not look at the totality of what he's done. Because we know then that Jesus obviously wants to bring peace in one sense. He is the prince of peace. And that government, there'll be no end to the increase of his government or of peace, Isaiah says. But you understand, he's establishing something. But at this point, he's like, peace in its totality is not here. But the sword is. Now, peace is for those who come into my kingdom. But those who aren't, the sword. I said the sword. I said the sword. So Jesus came and brought a sword. We see here in 2 Thessalonians, let's see how powerful this sword is. Because I want you to understand, we need to take up the king's sword. This is a powerful sword by which Jesus Christ has. He says this, then that lawless one, I'm talking in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8 to 10. Then that lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. That is the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders, and with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth as so as to be saved. So notice, Jesus, when he returns, 
the end of the tribulation, that he's going to talk. Words are going to go out of his mouth and slay. Boy, y'all doing all right? <laughs> Man, I feel like we're just not getting this yet. I mean, it's amazing how much faith we put in our natural strength. And we don't really realize what real power we can wield. I have come to the place in my life that I abandon my natural way of doing things. Done. I refuse to pick that sword up and try to do it on my own and try to figure this thing out. I refuse to do it because I possess a more powerful sword. Are you hearing me? One that is true, sure, and can judge. One that has justice and judgment. Are you hearing me? Jesus, when Peter pulls out his sword, he says, Son, did I not tell you already that this action is not of God, but of the devil? And I'm not going to stand for that. And if you keep responding in your flesh to situations, even about God, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. You're going to have to take up my sword. Because my sword is the only true sword. Because this sword, I mean, again, right now in the planet, there's an enemy. But yet the Lord, <laughs> when he returns with his mouth, Do you want to know the account? Let's go over to Revelations. Let's just go ahead and read it. How about this? Look at this Revelation. Let's just get this account. Look what's going on with Jesus and his sword. Oh, my gosh. Revelation 19, 11 says this, And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. <laughs> and he who sat on it is called faithful. Did we just sing that? And true. And, is righteousness, and in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire, and, his, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name written on him, which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in, come on, heaven, clothed in fine linen, White and clean were following him on white horses. Now, who are those people? Those are the saints. I said, those are the saints. That's the redeemed. 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 Are you hearing me? And it says, from his mouth comes a sharp sword 
so that with it he may strike down the nations and he will rule them with an iron, with a rod of iron and he treads the winepress of fierce wrath of God the Almighty. When Jesus comes back again, he will not be a lamb. He will not be a suffering servant. He will be the reigning king and he will reign in power and reign in righteousness and reign in majesty and reign in glory. And he will take back the planet. This is global domination. <laughs> There's not a nation that exists on the planet that can stand before the king. Come on. There's not a nation. I don't care what nations are rising in power today. I don't care how much uh, armor they have, how many nuclear weapons they have, machine guns, bullets. I don't care how many satellites they have. I don't care how technologically advanced they are. When my king shows up on a horse, when he shows up on a horse, and he rides out of heaven back to the planet. And they will come and wage war against him. He will say something. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword so that he'll strike down the nations. And look what it says in verse 16. And on his robe and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Who are those kings? Who are those lords? Glory to God, man. We're those kings. We're those lords. Then it says this, then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried out with a loud voice saying, to all the birds which fly in midheaven, come, assemble for the great supper of God, so that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of commanders and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of those who sit on them and the flesh of all men, both free man and slaves, small and great. And I saw the beast. Now, these are nations, okay? These are kingdoms. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies assembled to make war against him. They actually think that they're going to bring all their weaponry. You understand, they're going to look a lot. It's going to be just like when David and Goliath took place. They're going to be assembled, and they're going to almost be thinking, man, are we a dog? Is it, am I a dog? They're going to, some guy is coming on a horse. A horse. We're going to smoke this man right here. Are you hearing me? <laughs> I mean, Goliath had it all. He had the big shield with an armor bearer who would stand in front to be able to take the blows. As he, he had a huge sword. He had a staff. I mean, this guy had been trained. He had everything about him says, nobody can defeat me. I have all the latest weapon. You're all going to die. And that's why nobody moved in the Israelites. But, but, but there was a king. There was a king that showed up on the field. And the king had a sword. Oh, you don't need. See, we act like David didn't have a sword. But David did have a sword. David brought him some rocks for his sling because that was a natural weapon. But he had a sword. He says, you come to me with a sword. But I come to you in the name of the Lord. Woo! 
I come to you in the name of the Lord. And a sword went out, left his mouth, and it caused the defenses of Goliath to be nothing so that when he ran towards him with a little rock, it penetrated his head, dropped him down, and he took the same weapon that he wanted to kill David and cut his head off, and he was the victor. He was the conqueror. Because David had a sword that they didn't know about. It was the sword of the word of the Lord. That sword went out and he declared, I'm going to kill you and everybody behind you going to die too. And the sword of the Lord went forth. I said the sword of the Lord went forth in judgment. And because it went forth in judgment, it gave the power to the covenant children of Israel that after David's killed the giant, the rest were empowered and they ran down and in their, with their natural swords, it caused the be the defenselessness of the Philistines and they routed them that day because a sword had already been sent. And the beast was seized, it says, and with him the false prophet who performed the signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast and those who worshiped the image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire, which burns with brimstone. Look at verse 21. And the rest, I said, and the rest were killed with the sword, which came, came from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. He didn't have to get off the horse. I mean, he rides up. And he says something. Come on, you understand. You just need to get this. You might as well go ahead and imagine it now because we're coming. We're coming with him. I said, we're coming with him. We're coming with him. We're coming with him. Here we go. <laughs> we're coming. And the king's going to be in front. The king won't be in back. We won't be in front of the king. The king will be leading us. And the king's going to say, here's all my, here's my nation, here's my righteous one, here's the one who has our rightful heirs to this planet, we're taking it back, we're taking it all back. Hallelujah. And all we got to do is ride. I might have to take horse lessons, horse riding lessons, to be honest with you. <laughs> I might need to learn how to ride a horse. I don't know if it had just supernaturally happened in my glorified body because I've ridden a horse twice and it was not good. <laughs> I was about five years old, was on a horse with a neighbor's daughter and we were, I mean, this horse had to be at least this tall. <laughs> Seemed like that at five. <laughs> and so we were riding through the little pasture and they were, you know, holding the reins of the horse and all of a sudden, <laughs> the saddle started to slip and it slid off we hit the ground and I lost my breath. She started crying. I couldn't do anything but. And when breath finally came, I went into crying. But then I became a teenager. I got empowered. You know, teenagers <laughs> think you can do anything. So I had a friend of mine that had this donkey, really. <laughs> I, I mean, it probably wasn't a donkey, but it was some wild something. So. <laughs> Anyway, so we went over to his house uh, or where they were keeping this horse and it was bareback. Obviously, the saddle can't come off. 
if you're bareback, right? No reins, just hold on to the hair, the mane, you know? So we're going, seems to be doing fine. I was, you know, getting my confidence, you know, kind of trotting along a little bit, you know? And as I was getting back to where I was going to get off, I don't know what happened. I have no idea. But they decided, the horse decided to buck. Well, it had been nice to have a saddle. Right? Been nice to have one then because I had something to hold on to. I could have hooked up in there, right? I didn't have nothing. He kicked me off and fell in a cactus plant. Yeah. So listen, on that day when we come, if I fall off the horse, don't you laugh at me. I'm working this thing. Just turn around, put me back on my horse, and let me come and be with Jesus, okay? It's going to be all right. <laughs> but he's coming. I said he's coming. And he has a sword. I don't want to pull out the sword of flesh. I want to work this thing in my own strength, my own power, my own way of doing. I don't want to try to manipulate God's word to try to fix my situation. I just want to hear from the king because the king wields a sword and if I'll pick up that sword, it'll do something amazing in my life, right? That's why I take you to Ephesians chapter six. In Ephesians chapter six, this is talking about the king's sword, the king's sword, the king's sword. He's the king of? The king of? The king of? Who are those kings? Who are those kings? We are. It says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, put on the full armor of God so that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Remember, this is the one with his mouth. Are you hearing me? With his mouth. The one, the Antichrist who's doing it. Everybody's so scared of the Antichrist. It's amazing how many churches are all jacked up about the Antichrist. Big deal. Listen, this is not the dispensation of the devil. This is the dispensation of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost has been poured out. I mean, if you're afraid of the devil, it's because you're listening to the devil more than you are the Holy Ghost. I mean, the Holy Ghost is, has no intimidation when it comes to the devil. When he showed up for Jesus, I said when he showed up for Jesus, Jesus was without spot or wrinkle. He was blameless, never sinned naturally. Meaning he was the son of God in flesh and all the way up to the Jordan River. He was a righteous man, rightly divine the word of truth, discovering himself in scripture. But then he got baptized. And when he got baptized and came up out of the water, the heavens opened. And his father anointed him as king of the earth. And said, this is my son. This is the anointed one I said was coming by the prophet Isaiah. This is the king. And the Holy Spirit came and fell upon him like a dove. He's not a dove, but it was like whatever, however they fly and before they land, that's about what it looked like when the Holy Ghost came down. And it said, Jesus received the Holy Ghost without measure. And the very next verse the Holy Ghost, now that's upon Jesus, and he's endued with power. For Jesus himself declared in Luke chapter 4, he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me. Amen. Woo! Amen. 
He's anointing me. He's anointing me what? To go conquer. The captives, I'm going to get them. The blind, they're going to see. I'm, on, I'm the deliverer. And the minute that Holy Spirit, he comes upon, he says, Jesus, let's go find the devil. Let's let him know you're in the planet. And it says he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. He's not intimidated. I said he's not intimidated one bit. And are you a Holy Ghost-filled believer? I said, are you a Holy Ghost-filled believer? Then the schemes of the devil mean nothing to you. In fact, you're not ignorant of the devil's devices, the Bible says, and you can stand against the schemes of the devil and no weapon formed against the church is going to prosper. I don't care what he throws at you. If you'll just wield the sword of the king, he says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against world forces of this darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Now, again, you need to understand there's a term that runs around in the church, spiritual warfare. Okay, most of it's off. Most of it's off. Why? Because most of it's off because most of them are fighting to try to get a victory. That's the problem. You're trying to get a victory, and that means you're already in defeat. Jesus has already gotten the victory. So when I deal with principalities and powers, I'm reminding them you're defeated. You don't have no power, actually. And the power you think you have, I can actually bind it up. All I got to do is get authorization. I said, all I got to do is get authorization. All I have to do is get authorization. Because if I'll get authorization from the king of what to bind, how to speak, how to stand, then it won't matter what's mounted. Now, that doesn't mean you won't feel stuff. Doesn't mean it won't be pressure. It won't feel like you're at war, but you're not at war. What you are is you're fighting the good fight of faith. You're saying, no, this word's going to work. No, this word's going to work. No, this word's going to come to pass. No, this word's going to happen. And that's what you keep saying. You keep standing on. So he says, therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to what? So the full armor is necessary to resist. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Now, I was in the army. All of our veterans, would you stand, please? Let's uh, honor our veterans. I was in the army myself. Let's give it up for our veterans. Friday was Veterans Day. We appreciate you. Thank you for your service. All that you've done. Thank you. <clears throat> I know that we are a um, constitutional republic. We are not a democracy. The only democratic aspect of our nation is we vote our leaders in. But there's a narrative right now that just says we're a democracy. And it's infiltrating the minds of people. And it's saying we have a government we don't have. And as long as they believe that, and they continue to believe that, then they'll throw out the Constitution, which means then we'll lose the actual government we actually have. Okay, fine. Amen. With that being said, there is a Second Amendment. And the Second Amendment gives you the right to bear arms. 
Some of them I wish they wouldn't. Now, why is that? Because they're foolish. You understand this? When I was in the army, the army did not give me my weapon first. Did not give me my weapon first. The Marines, did they give you your weapon first? Navy. Navy. Where's my Navy guy? Chris, did they give you your weapon first? Okay, um, Air Force. I got an Air Force person. Yes? Oh, you're an Air Force too. Yeah, but you were in base. You didn't do basic there. You had to do it again? Okay, did they give you your weapon first? No. Coast Guard. Do I have a Coast Guard here? No. Well, I know because my grandson's in the Coast Guard. They did not give him his weapon first. Not because it's my grandson. That's just what they do. What do I mean by that? See, we have a second minute. People go buy the gun. They go get a weapon. They carry knives, guns, all this, and they act like... I remember I was talking to Pastor um, Daryl Morgan, who has done multiple competitions, shooting competitions, where you go into scenarios and you have to pull your weapon out you know, and hit targets and stuff. He can draw in, in, in one, one, just right at, just over a second or just under a second, he can get his gun out and fire it really quick. Now, you understand, most people think they're that, but they're really Barney Fife. <laughs> they're really Barney Fife. Right? Okay. They're really Barney Fife. But we want to act like we're Halo. We're Call of Duty. Right? Yeah, now I'm tracking. We're Call of Duty, right? You got your little glasses on. You're in a virtual world, and you're killing electronic stuff. Right? That you get to start over. <laughs> so, you know, when I was in, they didn't give me my weapon first. They gave me a uniform. And then they gave me gear that I would have to wear when I had my weapon. Because the weapon wasn't enough. I said it wasn't enough. Now you can have a weapon that can fend off an enemy, but you become liable to an enemy if you don't have the rest of your uniform on. Am I saying the truth, guys? Right? So there's a helmet. I mean, they have vests now. I mean, even police officers, they don't go out without other armor on. Right? Yet, as natural citizens, and there's nothing wrong with you having a weapon. I have no problem with that. But don't act like you're prepared. If you've never shot your weapon, you're going to be surprised at how bad you are. Because Call of Duty is not making you a better shot. That trigger and the trigger on whatever you're firing are two, and all triggers are different. This is what's crazy. You could get one weapon down great and then pick up another one, and you can't hit the broadside of a barn. But Pastor Daryl Morgan said, he said, when I go to these competitions, the worst shooters are always the police officers. Because they don't allow them to train enough. They're the worst shooters. That's why these people that run away, they can run away. <laughs> they can't get them. I mean, that's why they're unloading magazines, and they're like, they did, a, well, it, I mean, it takes 15 to get one or more, right? 
Because again, they're not accurate. They're not trained. A lot of them. And if you just have one on your counter and someone walks in your house and you think you're going to defend yourself, it's highly probable they'll take it from you and use it against you. All right, I'm preaching better than you're saying, but that's fine. The same thing happens in wielding the king's sword. We've got to put on the full armor of God so that we are able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm, stand therefore, meaning you just stand. You're not retreating. And if the situation is still there, you still are the victor. You're the one occupying. Are you hearing me? He says, stand therefore, having gird your loins with. So if you don't have truth, I don't care if you have the rest. In fact, you're going to have a hard time with the rest if you don't actually have truth. All the rest are predicated on you having truth. Then you've got to put on the breastplate of righteousness. It is your light armor jacket. Because the enemy, hit one of his greatest weapons that he sends down range is to try to tell you how unrighteous you are and how unworthy and that you're really not a foe. And that he's way more powerful because he's been around a lot longer than you and he's deceived a lot more people than you have, than you are, who you are. But when you know who you are in righteousness, when you know you're the child of the king, and righteousness is God's way of doing well, if you don't have the truth, which is the word of God, then you won't know God's way of doing. So you won't even be protected because you don't even know what God's way is. Then you, shed, uh, you shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, meaning I'm not trying to be a bully. When we go in as a, a nation and are in certain territories, we're not picking fights, we're letting them know, you don't want to come pick a fight. We would rather stay at peace, and peace is, there's a way you're going to do this, according to our policies. But if you violate that, we don't hold the sword for no reason. <laughs> now you'll find out in Romans chapter 13. That the righteous government was given the sword by God so that those who do evil would be afraid of the judgment. So he goes on in verse 16, in addition to all, taking up the shield of faith. I'm, I'm just curious to wonder how many people have checked out because I ended up making so many analogies to the Second Amendment. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because that's exactly what the devil wants to do is de-arm you. And he's doing a real good job in a lot of churches, de-arming them. He's de-arming them. He's taking their weapon. Because when the kingdom of darkness can give, get you to forfeit your weapon, then you won't be able to defend yourself. Okay. In addition to all taking up the shield of faith, now, our faith is built on the Word of God. So the Word of God is in the truth. The Word of God is in righteousness. The Word of God is where we stand so that we're not being a bully. We're peacemakers. But if you come, you're going to have a fight. I said you're going to have a fight. And then we're going to have to shield the faith up. Because when you start to shoot things downrange, 
is going to hit God's word. We are going to take every thought captive and line it up to the word of God. In addition, taking up the shield of faith with, with which you are able to extinguish all. How many? All. All of the flaming arrows of the evil one. And the evil one can only attack you in your mind. He has no right to your spirit, but he will attack you in your soul realm, and he will attack you if you are not armed. Meaning you don't have your armor on. And the shield of faith is built by you. Because the more you have revelation knowledge of the truth, of God's word, you'll be able to have that to penetrate what he's saying. So when the, the enemy, Goliath, before he even pulled out his, his natural sword, he was throwing arrows. And my dog, you're going to send me a little stick. Well, how did David handle that? He had a shield up. A stick. Yeah, he thinks I'm a stick. I'm with the covenant king. Yeah. Ain't no stick. This stick's fixing to beat him upside his head is what this stick's fixing to do. It's a big stick, actually. <laughs> Are you hearing me? And then verse 17, and take up the helmet of salvation. And? And? The sword of the spirit. Now, salvation is what gives us access to the sword. But many want to get out there with salvation and a sword. And if all you have is salvation and a sword, you're going to be defeated. And how many believers have you heard, been around, that's talked defeat? Talk about how the devil's winning? Talk about how bad everything's in the world? Talking about how rough everything is? And then they're trying to figure out how they're going to do it. Well, we're going to go and do this. We're going to take this. And, we're going to do, and they're trying to work everything out naturally using Scripture. And they're getting defeated on every front. Amen. Getting defeated on every front. Why? Because I, I'm born again. I have the Holy Ghost. But they have no capacity on how to work the sword. And they're vulnerable. I said they're vulnerable. Because the enemy does not want the sword to get to him. He doesn't. Because he knows what the sword will do. I said he knows what, he knows what's going to do, what it's going to do to him ultimately. Are you hearing me? And so, it goes on and says, with all prayer and petition, praying at all times, all right, or, or the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, with all prayer and petition, praying at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints, and pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mysteries of the gospel. Now, why does Paul want his mouth to open? And we want to walk around with a silent witness. When there's a sword in our mouth. I said, when there's a sword in our mouth. In our nation, the church is known as the silent majority. We don't talk a whole lot. We just vote. Well, we don't vote very good. 
And many don't even vote. And their prayers aren't working because they don't even know how to pray. Because they're not already a conqueror. They don't know who they are. And so they grab a few scriptures, try to get something to happen. And then when it doesn't, they say, well, I guess it wasn't the Lord's will. But his word is his will. I said his word is his will. <laughs> and he's not a respecter person. So if he'll heal one, he'll heal them all. If he'll deliver one, he'll deliver them all. If he'll restore one, he'll restore them all. What's the difference? Faith. And the ability to use the king's sword in your situation to strike down the enemy. To strike down the enemy. Are you hearing me? Jesus has already said, I didn't come to bring peace but a sword. So what I'm going to say is got the power. And know this, the greatest enemy in the planet today who has Adam's dominion, who had it, I took it back, and now he's just the father of those that are of his nature. And they don't have to stay that way anymore. And you can go into the territories of where the enemy is and you can speak and you can declare and you can decree and you can send a sword out. That's why your coworkers will come to work seeming cut. What's wrong? You hurting? Yeah, what you said yesterday hurt me. Well, swords cut. Now, I didn't cut you to hurt you. But we want you to know there's power that can be available to you. And some things need to get off you. And you need to change the way you live and change the, the, whom you're worshiping. We hold a sword. And this sword has the power. This is why Zechariah said this in 4.6. He said, it's not by might. Right? When the word of the Lord came to Zerubbabel, he said, not by might, nor by power. Meaning your efforts, pulling out your sword, trying to cut off to keep God where you want him. To move God's plan like you want it. But it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And in my arsenal, I only need one weapon. only need one. It's the sword of the spirit. It's the sword of the spirit. It is the weapon that causes me to conquer in life. Any circumstance, any situation, I conquer because I say, what does the word say? I hear what's coming down range, but what's the word say? I just stand right here. What's the word say? What's the word say? I said, what's the word say? Because you understand, as long as the enemy stays all the way in the mountain and just shooting the arrows, as long as I don't get out from behind my shield, there's no problem here. Right? At the end of the day, 
My head's protected because I have the helmet of salvation. I'm a child of God, man. You can't hurt me no more. I mean, my shield of faith is going to be impenetrable. You won't even get to my righteousness. You're not going to touch my truth. You're not going to hinder my peace. You're not going to mess with my head. Right? The reason why many people are having their heads messed with because they got a shield of faith down and they're getting, being penetrated and it's hitting their helmet. You understand? Enough, well, enough shots come down range. it knock your helmet off. I mean, Cavalier helmets are only so good for so long. I mean, you start taking direct hits constantly. That'd be a problem. And some caliber bullets will, <laughs> it'll penetrate. Yeah, it will. And you stand there and just take it in your chest. Keep taking it, keep taking it. Then eventually you'll question your own righteousness. And you keep taking it in the loins, you're going to eventually bend over. And be hurting. And then be questioning truth. And he'll knock your feet out from underneath you. And your life will be in chaos. But the shield of faith. And all the while, the reason I'm standing, I'm like, I just want him to think he could get closer. Oh, y'all don't want to hear that. Okay. See, you're like, oh, I want him to stay away. I want him to think he's winning. What do I mean by that? He's not hitting me. My faith's got it going on. He's going down. But you understand, he don't see me moving. He sees me. He's like, oh, I got him down. I got him now. I got him now. And he keeps pulling. I got him now. I got him now. And he just keeps advancing. I got him now. This is what your attacks look like. I got him now. I got him now. Because don't you know, just before victory, it seems like it gets more pressure. It's harder. And he just keeps shooting. He gets closer. He gets closer. And he gets closer. And he gets right up to your shield of faith, thinking you're just this scared little soldier stuck behind your shield, quivering and saying, oh God, please do something. But what he don't know is when he gets up to it, you step out with a sword, cut his head off. Say, I was waiting on you. You were dumb enough to get close. You should have stayed on the mountain. I said, you should have stayed on the mountain. Are you hearing me? Yes. And then I just take that sword and I wipe off my shield, all those flaming missiles that have been extinguished, just cut them all off, fresh, new, get a new shield of faith up for the next battle. Yes. Let's go. Amen. What's next? Now I'm going to advance. I said, now I'm going to advance. I said, now I'm going to advance. And this is what the church should be looking like. We should be a boom, taking territory. Let's go into the next one. Boom, taking territory. Let's go into the next one. Boom, taking territory. Because when it says the gates of hell can't prevail against the church, that means the gates of hell are in a, uh, in a small little town that we are surrounding. Not that we're inside this place and it's attacking us from the outside. We're on the outside attacking it. You got to understand the church is on the outside of planet Earth. If we go into communities, it's not because we're on the little inside of this little church and look how the whole community is attacking us. No, we're outside the city in the realm of the spirit. And they're the ones locked in and we are putting up our siege on them and we're bringing our advancement and when they're firing their uh, uh, archers um, weapons at us as we get closer to the gates that eventually we'll breach them. And will save people's lives. 
The church is not a defensive weapon. It is an offensive, not you're offended, but we're on the offense. But the enemy has told too many churches that the spirit, don't let the spirit move now. Now, we don't talk about the Holy Ghost. And so he disarms them. And they have nothing to fight with. And he can get as close to their faith as he wants to. And he can kick their shield down. Because they'll never come back with a sword. But not in this house. I said not in this house. In this house, we have a sword. I said we have a sword. It is the word of God. It is the word of truth. And it prevails. And it always prevails. And it never fails. How did you get that sword? Because Jesus brought it to the earth. He said, Peter, if you live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword. I'm going to do dad's will. Because it allows me to take my sword. (laughs) Jesus saying, hand me that sword back. Jesus is saying, I should have brought my big, big sword. But Jesus is saying, when I finish this plan that dad has, and I raise up on the third day, then on the day of Pentecost, on the day of Pentecost, I'm going to hand you my sword. I'm going to hand you my sword. Because it's to your advantage that I go so I can give you my sword. And then you can wield that sword. You can conquer with that sword. You will run with that sword. You can fight with that sword. You can take territory. Because he died and he rose to give us a king's sword. Whatever head bowed and every eye closed and was looking around. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, today would be a good day. Because the reality is, your sword is just not sharp enough. It may get some natural battles and deceive you into thinking you're powerful. But the reality is, it's no weapon compared to the sword of God. And the king of all glory, Jesus Christ, wants to give you his sword. He wants you to be born of his kingdom, and he wants you to have his spirit so you can know his word and have his sword. And no matter what you've ever faced in life, it won't matter now because you will have the weapon that defeats it all. You will be on the offensive. You won't have to defend. You'll just occupy and take territory. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you want more, subscribe to our message podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Rating and leaving a comment will go a long way with helping our messages get better circulation. If you'd enjoy watching our weekend messages, visit youtube.com forward slash anchor faith. We'd love it if you'd subscribe, leave a comment or a like on the messages. If you'd like to find out more information about us and how we're influencing the world and help support the work we're doing by giving, just visit anchorfaith.com. Thank you.